Father, we are grateful that even though oftentimes in the holiday season we can feel the weight of loss, we can feel lonely, we can feel at times the pains of life, Lord, that it can be well within us even though when things around us aren't well. That is the power of Christmas. That's the power of the message of the gospel. So God, I pray tonight as we open up your word, as we reflect the next few moments, the story and what it means to our life, God, I pray that you could help us understand in a little deeper way of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that can guard our hearts to the day of redemption. Let your word speak. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, put your hands together and thank Kyle and Kiriana again. Such a gift. So grateful for them. Well, listen, Merry Christmas, first of all. And I want to just, uh, just say this. The last couple of years have been years of what I would call breaking news on repeat, right? Would you all agree with that? In the last couple of years, it's like every time you turn around, there's another major event, another ca- catastrophic event, another world situation uh, that we're facing. So it's like breaking news over and over and over again. But there's something I've noticed about breaking news. Uh, the biggest thing that I've noticed about breaking news is that breaking news typically is bad news. Would you agree with that? Like typically when you think about, even as a child, I was thinking through different breaking events in history and like almost every single one of them were bad. Like I remember when I heard the news about the Challenger explosion and the space shuttle disaster. I remember where I was when I turned on the television and learned about 9-11. And so I could go through different moments and here's what I remembered. Breaking news is typically bad news. And let me frame it like this. Breaking news, more times than not, remind us that we live in a broken world. Like breaking news is a reminder that we live in a broken world. And what I want to do just for a few moments is go to Luke chapter 2, and I want us to visit the story of Jesus' arrival, the nativity story that we find here in Luke chapter two. This is a breaking news moment, and what this breaking news does, this breaking news is actually good news that tells us there is a solution to the bad news and the breaking news that we experience uh, each and every day in our lives. Luke chapter two is where we're going uh, to be. I want us to see the good news of Christmas The good news of Christmas, what I'm going to read to you and share with you is the essence of not just Christmas, but of Christianity. It's the essence of Christianity. Luke chapter 2, start reading in verse 8. If you're there, say the Bible is true. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great Fear, And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, I want you to think about this scene for a moment. This is a breaking news moment. The shepherds are out watching over their flock. It was at night, in the middle of the night, in the darkness of the evening, another ordinary day, nothing on the horizon that was different than the night before and the night before that and the night before that. And just like breaking news does, all of a sudden, 
a message is given and it changes the shepherds and the rest of humanity forever. The, the breaking news that Jesus has come, the Savior has been born. And I want you to listen again at the statement that the angels make. Look back, if you would, in verse number 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the breaking news that we discover in this moment is the, is the good news of the gospel. And that's what the angels say. Hey, here, don't be afraid. Why does the angel say don't be afraid? Like we saw this in the, in the story with the kids. Like every time angels show up, they tell people stop being afraid. Why? Because angels were terrifying, all right? Like they just break into the moment and you look at them, okay, God has sent a messenger, probably gonna kill me. And every time the angel says, hey, fear not. And this is why he says fear not. Fear not, here's why. I came to bring you good news. And this good news is such good news, it's gonna bring something with it. It's gonna bring great Joy. That's how good the news is that I'm bringing. This is what the angel says. The, the word, the, the phrase great joy, the, the word great there in the original language is where we get our English word mega, like, like mega, abundant, overflowing joy. Like the angels are saying, this is such good news that it's gonna fill you to the max with joy. Now why is this good news such good news? Look what he says. He goes on, on to say this in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the message that brings good news. So go back, if you would, in verse number 10, and that word when he says, I bring you good news, that phrase there is, a, is an important phrase for Christianity. Now, why is it an important phrase for Christianity? It's because that, that phrase, good news, is one word in the original language. It's the word euangelion. The word euangelion is where we get our English word gospel. So the angel's message is, I'm bringing you a gospel. Now, what does that word mean? It, it, in that particular day, it wasn't a spiritual word. It was a common word. It was a military word, and it's what the word means. It meant an announcement of good tidings or announcement of victory, announcement that's going to bring something positive into your life. That's what this word, ungalion, means. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that we also get our English word evangelism or evangelist. So just think about it for a minute. What is a, a, a gospel? A gospel is an announcement of good news. It wasn't an evangelist. A, a one who proclaims good news. So this is the picture. The angels show up that night, and here's the breaking news. There is good news. There is an announcement of victory that's for you. And this is what he says. For unto you, shepherds in the field, minding your own business, going about life, for unto you is born today a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the announcement. That's the essence of Christianity. If you ever wondered what's the heartbeat behind all of this thing that we do called Christianity, here's the essence behind it. A savior has been born. That is why Jesus came. And that's the greatest news we could ever hear in all of human history, that a savior has been born. Good news that brings great joy. The word savior there is a word that means deliverer or rescuer or redeemer. You ever wondered this, why in the world out of all of the names that God could have chosen in the history of names, God could have made up a brand new name for Jesus? But he doesn't do that. Jesus was a pretty common name of the day. 
So why is it that God, when he wants to articulate this baby that's been born, why does he tell them, hey, name him Jesus? Well, the Bible gives us an answer in Matthew chapter one, whenever the angel shows up to Joseph to tell him about the divine pregnancy of Mary, this is what the angel says in verse 21. And you shall bear, or he, she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for, that word for means because, because he will save his people from their sins. Did you know that the name Jesus means savior? It means deliverer. It means redeemer. That's what the name of Jesus means. And here is the message of Christmas. Here is the essence of Christianity, that God has sent a savior, a deliverer, a redeemer into humanity so that, specifically in Matthew 1.21, he could rescue and deliver and save us from our sins. You see, that's the reason there is so much breaking news that shows us the brokenness of this world. It's because humanity has rebelled against God. We've sinned against God. The relationship with God has been fractured. And because of that, the consequence is that we live in a broken world and we can't fix it. But God in his infinite love, grace, and mercy has sent us a savior to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that's the essence of Christianity. Hear me say this, eyes right here for a second. God's solution for the dilemma of humanity was not to send us a philosopher to help us reason a better life. God's solution for the brokenness of the world was not to send us another spiritual leader to enlighten us to a better path of life. God's solution to the brokenness of humanity was not to bring us another religious system or structure that if we work hard enough, we might be accepted by God. God's solution for the brokenness of the world was not giving us a 12-step program that if we can walk these steps and do these things, there might be hope on the other side. No, God's solution to the brokenness of humanity was this. There's great news for you. What you couldn't do for yourself, I have sent a Savior to do for you. I don't know about you, that's good. Like, that makes me want to say amen. I'll fill in the gap for you since you're asleep in the house on Christmas Eve. That's good news, amen? Doesn't count because I solicited it, all right? I don't know that we believe this, or at least we, it grabs a hold of our heart like it should. But that's the essence. Far too many people think Christianity is just another religious method to a better life, and it is not. The root of Christianity, the heartbeat of Christianity is a savior has been born. That's why the angels that night says, hey, I've got good news that's gonna bring mega joy. Joy that you can't contain. I told you that word gospel was a military term primarily in its day. It was a, a word that would be used often whenever a, a army would go out to the battlefield to face the enemy they would go and, 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 and do this battle, but back home, people were wondering, is our, is our military gonna be successful? Is our king gonna be victorious? Is he gonna be able to defeat the enemy? And they would sit and they would wait, wondering, was there victory or was there defeat? And then on the battlefield, whenever that particular country or nation achieved victory, they would send an evangelist back and they would bear good news that would bring great joy to the nation. And that man would, or woman would come into the community, they would bust open the gates, and they would begin to declare, victory! Victory has been accomplished. The enemy has been defeated. 
And that is exactly what Jesus came to accomplish for you and I. The essence of Christianity is that the enemy has been defeated by our king who has come to earth. You may be thankful for that today. This is the hope of the gospel. Now, here's the question we've got to ask. What is the outcome of the gospel? Like, what, what, what does the, the, the gospel result in? Like, this good news, the Savior has come. What does this usher in for us? There are two things that we learn here in this passage. Two things. I want you to look at it, verse 12 through 14. He says this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And then suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14 is huge, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now get the mental picture here. The angels minding their own business, just another, the, the, the shepherds rather, minding their own business, just another night in the field with their sheep, all of a sudden breaking news, a group of angels appear and they're making this announcement that the Savior has been born. And as they describe the Savior, he is Christ the Lord. All of a sudden when they received this news, the sky opened up and the veil that separated heaven and earth for a moment was lifted. And all of a sudden with the handful of angels, now there is a heavenly host. There is a multitude of angels and they are filling up the sky. And here's what they do. They worship. They begin to sing a song in response to the message of good news. They begin to sing. I don't know about you, but I get moved by music. Anybody get moved by music ever? Like, I, I, there are songs that I'll hear, and they just evoke certain, you know, feelings and emotions. Like, when I was a kid, I was playing sports. I would listen to certain music that would kind of get me, you know, ready for the game. And then, you know, during, during you know, dating my wife leading up to our, our uh, wedding, there were certain songs I would want to play when we were going on a date because I wanted to make that connection, Right? Even now, there's music. The other day, I was driving to Dallas. I got a senior in high school, so like very sentimental year for me, all right? My oldest is, uh, is graduating high school, and so uh, even Christmas, we can't have conversations. Like last night, she goes, hey, do y'all realize this is my last Christmas at home? First of all, why would you go there? And secondly, are you planning on moving out when you graduate high school and never coming home again? Like, we're never gonna do Christmas again, huh? And anyway, so the other day, I was driving to Dallas, and I'm not gonna tell you what song it was, because if, if I did, you would completely like, lose all respect for me, especially the guys in the room. But I listened to this song. It was about high school days, and I cried from Longview to Dallas thinking about my little girl graduating. Like, music has a way of capturing the essence of emotions, Right? Well, in this moment, in this breaking news moment, when the announcement has been made, the angels begin to sing. They begin to say these things that evoke this emotion, this response to this message of the gospel. Listen again at what they said. When they hear the message that brings good news of great joy, it says, and, the, and they said this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There are two outcomes of the gospel, two responses to the gospel. The first is this, write this down, put this in your phone. First thing the gospel does, the gospel produces glory to God. The gospel produces glory to God. Get the mental image here. These angels 
are declaring this message. All they are is, is, is deliverers. They're messengers who are coming to tell people what Jesus came to do. And they are so overwhelmed with the message that the only thing they can do in light of what has been said is to say, glory to God in the highest. What kind of a God would love humanity so much that he would send his own son to live among them to die in their place? Glory to God in the highest. It produces glory to God. The gospel displays the mercy of God and the grace of God and the love of God in a way that we can't fathom or imagine. The only response we can have to this is to bring glory to him. I want you to think about this for a moment. The shepherds are the ones that receive this message. The shepherds are in that particular society and culture and day and time, they were the outcast of, of society. They were religiously and socially and economically on the fringe of everyone else. You didn't want to run or hang out with, with, with uh, shepherds. You didn't want them in your churches. You didn't want to do business with shepherds. They were the outcast on the fringe of society. So just food for thought, why in the world would God choose shepherds to be the people that he would make this announcement to? It's because the shepherds are a living illustration of the condition of all of humanity that none of us deserve the grace and love and mercy of God, but in his abundance of grace and mercy, he says, look, I have come for everyone of all walks of life, no matter how far or how near you think you are, everyone needs a savior, and I have come to redeem all of humanity. I want you to hear this morning, this evening rather, God loves you. And this has been demonstrated by sending Christ to come and your heart's response to Jesus' arrival, this good news is for you to turn your heart into worship and say glory to God in the highest. Because I don't know about you, I know where Jesus found me. I know where I would be today without Jesus. I know the things that I still do at times, even with Jesus, and the thought that he loves me so much that he came anyway, even though I was a sinner and am a sinner and separated from him, that he would love me that much. You see, this is what should bring us to a place of worship, that God would do this for us. And this is why the gospel is so glorious, is because God did all of the work in Christ to redeem humanity. We did none of the work ourselves, which means we get no credit, no glory, no praise. All we can do in response is go, you did it all, and all glory belongs to you and you alone. That's the first outcome of the gospel. It produces glory to God. Here's the second. The gospel provides grace to humanity. The gospel provides grace to humanity. Look what he says here at the end of verse um, number 14. He says, on earth peace among those, listen to the phrase, with whom he is pleased. So what does that mean? And peace on earth among whom or with those whom he is pleased. Now that's a mouthful right there. First of all, let's talk about peace. What is peace? Peace is not, is not calm around me. The peace he's talking about here is calm within me. It's the shalom of the soul that has been reconciled to God. You see, you can have peace within when there is no peace without. And that's the power of the gospel in our life. It's a peace that transcends our circumstances and our situation. It's a, it's a reconciliation that happens between us and God. And when I am reconciled to God and I am resting in that relationship as the source of life, there can be chaos around me and peace within me. 
So he's saying the gospel is going to bring this peace. Well, who's this peace come for? He says the peace is for those on whom his favor rests or his, he's pleased. Now, here's the, here's the problem we have. We've already established the fact that we are sinners. Everybody say amen to that. Well, if we're sinners, God's not pleased with us. So how in the world can I, who don't please God because of my sin, have the peace of God that only rests on those whom he is pleased? Here's how. It's because the gospel is the good news that though we couldn't live the life that God's called us to live, Jesus did. And that the God the Father is pleased with God the Son named Jesus. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it means that we are in Christ, which means the one with whom God is pleased, we are in. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see the broken, busted up, sinful person we are. He sees the righteousness of his Son. You remember Jesus' baptism? What the Father spoke over Jesus? This is my beloved Son in whom I am what? I'm well pleased. So who gets the peace of God? It's the one who is well, he's well pleased with. How do we get into that position? By receiving the gift of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the grace of God that's provided in him. And here's the great news for you. Eyes right here for a second. In Jesus Christ, when the Father sees you, He sees the perfection of his son. Not on your best day, on your worst day. You know what that means? That means that if you are in Christ, it means the father is pleased with you, which means the peace of the son is inside of you. That's good news. That brings great joy. That gives me hope in the chaos. That gives me hope in the pain that gives me hope in the darkness. And that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. You see, I talked about music having a way of articulating things that causes us to feel in our soul, in our heart. And the the issue that we find ourselves in as Humanity is that there are times, even though we are in Christ, man, we got to be reminded that there's hope in the dark, that there's hope in the midst of pain. This glory to God that the gospel produces and this grace to man and humanity that God, the gospel produces, it's something that we've got to constantly live in. Otherwise, the darkness and the brokenness of the world, the breaking news of the world will be louder at times than the breaking news that a Savior has been born. Music has a way of articulating at Christmas time. I love Christmas music. One of my favorite Christmas songs is a song called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. This song was written, this carol was written out of a poem, poem written by the man, a man by the name of Longfellow. Some of you might be familiar with this song. Here's a couple of the phrases that he wrote. He says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carol play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. The the song was written out of a Christmas day as he's walking down the streets of his town and he's hearing the bells, the carols on Christmas day. And he begins to have these words float through his mind. But these verses are not the only verses that he wrote. 
You see, that Christmas day for Longfellow was anything but joyous. It was anything but a season of darkness and despair. You see, on this Christmas day, Longfellow was being reminded of his wife that died in a fire just two years earlier, burned to death in a fire. A few days earlier, his son is 1863. In the middle of the Civil War, he gets word that his son had been struck by a bullet and his son may never walk again. And lonely and heartbroken and sad on Christmas Day, he's walking the streets and he hears the bells on Christmas Day playing the carols that remind us of good tidings of great joy and peace that's available, but he's not feeling it. In fact, here's the verse that we don't typically sing. Here's where he writes his emotion. Listen to what he says. Then from each black accursed mouth, he's talking about the cannons of the Civil War. The cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I, uh, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Though he knows the gospel, he's not feeling it. In the darkness of that Christmas season, as he felt the loss of his wife and the burden for his son who had been injured, he is wondering, is there really hope for me? And in that moment of darkness, the clarity of the gospel breaks in like the angels did that night on the hill with the shepherds. And he remembers the gospel and what Jesus had accomplished. And then he writes these words. This is how he finished those thoughts. He says, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth and goodwill to men. Do you see what happened in this moment? As he remembers the gospel and the grace that has been given to humanity, it produces glory to God as he worships and reminds himself, yes, I'm in pain, and yes, I'm in despair, and yes, it's dark, but in the dark, the light of the gospel has broken in and has given me hope. That's what the gospel wants to produce in our life. Glory to God because of grace to humanity that transcends anything that we go through. 